Back up, please. Hello and welcome to the Point Blank Show. My name is Abhishek. Our guest today is R.B. Ramesh, a chess grandmaster who has represented India at the 1996 and 2002 Olympics. Today, at his training institute, Chess Gurukul, he is a celebrated coach to many students who have brought more than 100 medals for India. In fact, Viswanathan Anand, who wrote the foreword to Ramesh's recently published book, Improve Your Chess Calculation, calls his academy, quote, an impressive talent factory, unquote. He is married to Aarti Ramaswamy, also a champion, which makes them India's first grandmaster couple. Hi, Ramesh. Many thanks for joining in. Hello, Vishak. Uh, thanks for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Do, do you, I'm curious to know whether you spar with your wife on uh, the chessboard from time to time, uh, just for fun and analyze games. Do you do that? Not anymore. Initially, I was a uh, trainer before we uh, married to each other, like, and we were good friends uh, all along. But uh, after I became a full-time trainer, I'm not uh, that keen on playing. And uh, she's also very busy with the administration and she's also right. training many students on her own. So we yeah. look forward to discussing things other than chess. <laughs> right, there is there is a whole lot of it, uh, and especially in the more recent uh, chess Olympiad, which was a huge event in India, some one eighty odd countries participated. Uh, how did it feel when people were chanting your name, Ramesh sir, Ramesh sir, at the Mahabalipuram? And I think you were recognized at uh, uh, airport lounges and security check-ins, as it should be. Yeah, it was really nice. Like uh, first of all, like we were all very happy and proud to. Host the chess Olympiad in India, and it has uh, been long overdue, I would say, and also hosting it uh, from Chennai, where I was born and brought up, uh, my hometown. Uh, really, it was a very proud moment for uh, myself and also all the players in our team. On a, any given day, there were close to around three thousand people who were paying for the ticket and coming there to watch the matches, and uh, it was really nice to see that the people are. Giving that kind of importance and uh, love and affection for chess. I was also pleasantly surprised uh, when, uh, as you mentioned, they chatted my name when we were entering the playing hall. Also, they were chatting uh, all the other players' names as well, so they could recognize us and they were there to support. So really grateful and happy that we could meet their expectation by winning a medal. Yes, uh, that was bronze, uh, and uh, I think uh, we all see uh, the players. Go through uh, a lot of uh, rigor and stress and tension. I've got a picture of yours, and I'll show that to you in a bit. Where uh, you are seen with your head in your uh, hands. Uh, that was just before. Here it is, or during the match with Uzbekistan. What was this about? A lot of uh, stress. Or did, did did you manage to watch the match, or do you shy away from the screen altogether? How does that work? How much tension do you have to bear sometimes during these games? I can see I have uh, grey hair already <laughs> <laughs> dominating in my head. Uh, it is uh, kind of uh, stressful at times. As a trainer, you are kind of responsible for your students hmm. when they do well and when they don't. Especially when they don't. Many times it happens. Some of our students are doing extremely well, and some of the students are doing extremely poorly, and we are caught between uh, the two. Should we be happy for the ones who are doing well, or uh, feel sad and try to help them? Uh, it's not uh, very easy. But I really enjoy this journey. You can really make a difference. Mm. And regarding this picture, I'm sitting just behind the Indian players. Whenever I raise my head, I can easily see what is going on in our players' boards. And uh, this match against Uzbekistan was 
crucial for the overall standings of the tournament like basically this decided who is going to win the chess olympiad and mm-hmm. uh, we were having a healthy lead pragnananda had uh, won his game the only game that was left to finish was between on the top board between gukesh and abdul satarov and gukesh was uh, dominating totally winning uh, from the initial uh, position and then uh, he kind of misplayed a bit and the position became very unclear probably this was taken uh, around that point <laughs> uh, because a draw from uh, gukesh would have meant we defeat uh, uzbekistan in the match mm-hmm. and we don't taken uh, sole lead with just one round to go probably it was taken uh, nearing that moment during that time and also talking about pressure and uh, during these big events what is the role of a coach i read somewhere that sometimes you have to have a presence of mind when you see and you've done that yourself when you see a player yawn you might want to run to give him a cup of coffee as well if you want to and that's what you've done is what you've said so what is the level of involvement that a coach at coach has during these events it is not strictly role of a coach uh, it also like a mentor who is there for the team someone who is mature and who can uh, support the team at their critical moments and also the technical aspects helping that's where the coach coaching role comes in we had a couple of training sessions before the olympiad i could uh, gauge uh, whether the players are in form or uh, whether their concentration is good their analytical skills are good and we can also see their uh, daily routines like when they go to bed when they wake up when they have the breakfast and these are crucial uh, because the final round it uh, started at 10 am the final round is what uh, usually deciding the medals uh, so it's very important all the players are available in the morning because in chess what happens the games usually start at 3 or 4 in the afternoon so there is a tendency for some players to go to bed around 2 or 3 in the morning wake up at 11 or 12 and then play in the afternoon games i have to watch out for these factors as well and we had a couple of players who had this kind of uh, routine during the camp so i had to really talk to them for hours and uh, say i need each and every one of you at 10 o'clock on the last round <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are you as a coach are you one of those like the show in the movies very strict uh, like remember the titans or denzel <laughs> no no it won't work <laughs> with modern generation i strongly believe like we have to earn the trust and respect of the players they should feel like okay here is someone who knows what he is talking about and uh, i better uh, try to emulate uh, follow what he is suggesting it is for my good so uh, if we can only have that trust and respect of the players and then what we say will make a huge impact on them i had to like talk to a couple of players and uh, they both won their games in the last round and uh, against germany and uh, ensured us we get the bronze medal and uh, generally like during the olympiad uh, this is probably the youngest team i have uh, got the opportunity to be a trainer for the indian team normally the players are uh, in the mid 20s or 25 to 40 will be the age bracket so there almost everyone has uh, their preferences like coffee tea and so on <laughs> so whenever i feel like the player is uh, losing track or yawning or feeling tired then we already would have had some discussions like whose preference is what and then i try to get them it's also like kind of a wake up call for them <laughs> <laughs> right yes indeed and you started way back when your hair if i may say were jet black 
when you were only 22 years old and uh, the first contingent that you led was in Iran. Uh, how did you get started? 22 is quite a precocious age to start coaching. Yeah, so especially when uh, in a sport like chess where we did not even know that there is a person called a chess coach. Mm. <laughs> so back then, there was no chess coach culture in India at all. So when the Indian teams usually go abroad to represent uh, our country, it is usually the officials from the state federations or the Indian federation, they are sent so that subsequent elections, they will not have a tough time. Right. Uh, probably that was the first time like when a player is being offered that role. Who, and uh, I was, as I said, I was only 22 years old. I don't know what made them choose me. I, and the team was under 20. So not very young. So you, were a, you, you were a veteran already in that team. Then. Yes, <laughs> by one and a half years maybe. <laughs> right. so immediately after I came back, uh, Arthi Ramaswamy was also part of the team, the players, and uh, their parents approached me and said, would I be interested to work with her? So I started uh, training her uh, after we came back. And in the next year, she won World Under-18 Championship in 1999. So that was uh, huge. And then I started getting more offers from other players. And then I gradually became a trainer. And during those uh, days, at the beginning, uh, you put in an insane amount of hard work in that you started your classes. You would rather start your classes at four in the morning, go on until nine in the night. Uh, how was that journey? And were you on any performance enhancing drugs at all at the time to keep yourself <laughs> to keep yourselves motivated? Four a.m. is that's way too early. No, like uh, when I decided to become a full-time trainer. I was already working with many good players before yeah. I took that uh, full-fledged plunge into training. I was a part-time player and a part-time trainer. And uh, most of my students were getting medals in a very short time. They were winning tournaments. And more importantly, they were improving. They were becoming stronger players in a very short uh, period of time. So that gave me a lot of confidence. I immediately understood I can uh, change the scenario in India if I can plunge myself full-fledged. But I had to take a couple of risky decisions. One, I had to quit my playing career. I was a Commonwealth champion in 2008. And uh, also, I was working in uh, Indian Oil Corporation as deputy manager, which was uh, a dream job for uh, the generation. Like, we all wanted to get into public sector or a government job. Right. So, having a safe job and a good playing career. So, I dropped both on the same day. I resigned my job and also retired from uh, my playing career. How old were you at the time? I was 32 years old. Full credit to my wife because uh, it was totally risky decision because there's no guarantee that I'll get any students and uh, what we are going to do financially. So it was a very tough time. But I told myself I want to be that become the best trainer in the world so that I kept my aims very high. I wanted to produce as many champions as I could. And I also understood that it means uh, I should have nothing else in my life than uh, chess training, at least in the formative years. So until I established myself. And I had many students in the U.S. And in the U.S. evening is early morning in India. So uh, as soon as they come back from school, I started uh, teaching them from 4 till 9 in the morning. So it will be like straight five hours session. I had to wake up at 3.30. I had uh, students in South Africa, Australia, everywhere. So my last session will usually be 8 to 9 for a South African student. So it starts at 4 and it goes till 9. And many times I have my food while I'm teaching. But I really 
enjoyed those moments the students were hungry and i have to be there so so many students were eager to learn and i could make a difference in their life it really helped me become a better trainer and during those days when as you said the concept of a chess coach wasn't even there how difficult was it to explain let's say to your neighbors or to your relatives what it is that you were doing you know i remember i think it was vishwanathan anand in one of his interviews he said that somebody asked him what do you do for a living he said i played chess the other guy couldn't understand but what do you do for a living so, that, <laughs> yeah, so how yeah. did you how did you cope with that it was not easy back then no one took chess seriously or definitely they did not view it as a career option but when i finished my 12th standard in school i got a job offer from indian bank and i immediately joined so i did not even go to uh, college or university like other uh, kids of my age it was uh, much easier to convince my relatives because i already had a job tough part is like as a player i, I was traveling all around one week in a month i'll be home and most of the family functions uh, or marriages of relatives i won't be there right <laughs> so this was the hard part giving excuses every time like okay so for you this tournament is more important than my <laughs> my wedding <laughs> and we have to say yes <laughs> it was not easy at all but then they all uh, understood um, that's a price every sportsman have to play i guess and over the years you've coached uh, everyone from uh, 6 to 60 or different generations how does that help you as a coach especially to the top guys where you've now seen the arc of a human mind as yeah. to what people can grasp at different ages how does that work so few things i understood even i took the plunge that i have to devote my life entirely to this journey it cannot be a half hearted effort i also told myself like i'm not going to read any chess books because the books are written by an individual with their own likes and dislikes biases so i took a very psychological approach so i don't see decisions as decisions per se but reflection of the thought process and the emotions that is behind so the thought process and emotions in our head hmm. it's prompting us to take a decision in a certain way so from the decision i try to understand uh, what is that mindset what is the kind of thinking and uh, that helped me a lot so here i am not trying to suggest what is given in the books rather i am trying to read the child's mind the student's mind understand their problems at a personal level and then try to come up with solutions which they can implement hmm. so i remember one of the student he said he was living in a single bedroom flat father mother and a brother and the other brother was uh, always watching cricket uh, with a loud noise and uh, he could not prepare in a peaceful atmosphere and this was his major complaint so i said this is not a problem at all this is quite easily solvable and he said how and i fought with my brother multiple times over this and he simply not willing to change i like let him watch tv peacefully at with whatever volume <laughs> level he feels comfortable you tell yourself you are practicing for your own good and uh, when you are playing in tournaments you are going to face many difficult situations and this is just one difficult situation you are facing at home while preparing so try to just switch your mind off from your environment so whatever is happening around you try to simply ignore and uh, focus on preparing uh, you try to read the minds is what you said and a few months ago when we spoke you talked about how even the really good players what holds them back sometimes is they create their own boundaries and they sometimes feel that ah the exact words were psychologically some top players are not ready for excellence 
is is what you'd said so how do you gauge that and how do you tell that person that hey you're good now stop doubting yourself and let's uh, figure out how we can get better how important is that as a coach yeah so what happens is like when we are young players let's say as a young chess player uh, i have not accomplished anything in my life and everything is a new experience and remarkable achievement so when a young child becomes an international master or a grand master or in the state championship national championship and so on so every time they achieve such milestones they think they have achieved something big they feel very proud and happy about it but after they became a grand master international master grand master and so on and when they see another young child he goes through those baby steps like the point is like over a period of time when you move with the so called strong players we realize that they are as normal as anyone else they're just normal human beings who are good at something so everyone has their weak spots and if we can tap into that they can be made to kneel on the sport there are many reasons one because they were growing very fast so they kind of feel invincible and they feel like what everything they are doing is perfect and they don't want to be self critical on things which they are not doing correctly so if they have some bad habits they will think okay despite these bad habits i'm still getting good results so it's not having an impact on me but when they get stuck then they realize these bad habits are the causes for them not growing and then it becomes too late to change because they have got so comfortable and this bad habit has become very strong habit and to change it is going to take a lot of effort so i strongly believe like every player irrespective of their level they should have someone to talk to a mentor who can always take an impartial view and give suggestions uh, whether the result is going well or not chess is uh, such a lonely sport or a game where you are all by yourself i was reading uh, abhinav bindra's uh, book where he talks about how lonely a life of a shooter is uh, there is no one if you let's say have a bad shot uh, at the target uh, you can't just abuse like footballers or cricketers do you can't throw your rifle uh, around much like uh, you know if you make a bad move in chess you can't roll your eyes and look at your coach for help and that's where uh, the temperament uh, comes in right you have to gulp down that disappointment figure out a way to come back yeah can that be taught over time how to deal with disappointments yes yes definitely 60% of my training is talking to them so it's psychological and only 40% is technical or sometimes it's even 90% is psychological 10% is technical over the decades i have evolved my own philosophy i've thought about these issues i've seen how the players are uh, letting their personality influence their decision making skills now for example even if to a 5 year old child if you give a vegetable which the child does not like and maybe let's say some chips which the child likes very much and offer them a choice they will always choose the chips not because it is good for them and they don't reject the vegetable because it is bad for them they reject it because they don't like it hmm. and they choose chips because it they like it so this is the human nature we always tend to move closer to things we like where things we are comfortable with and things which we feel we are good at so if i feel i am not good at something i wouldn't want to do that and i will also like to learn things which i like i think this is something every trainer and a player should understand so what 
earlier days used to happen if someone is good at something the coaches the players everyone will appreciate okay you are good at doing this and when we hear such feedback then we try to stick to that thing now let's say if i'm a good bowler everyone appreciates my bowling i'll focus more on my bowling less on my fielding less on my batting skills mm-hmm. and in a team game this is fine because yes this is not uh, possible so let's say you are good in aggressive positions but not good in simple quiet situations then uh, whenever such situations come i'll feel at a loss if you put invest the right time and effort into learning those things which you don't like currently you can master them as well everything in chess is learnable chess is a learnable game even things which you currently think you are not good at you can still learn them so this hope we have to give and we also have to make them realize you have to put in a good effort you have to invest time and you have to do it wholeheartedly not because i ask them to do so they have to believe this is good for me uh, i need to learn and be good in everything and i can learn everything so they have to feel that and then they have to put the effort and regarding losses uh, what usually happens these days when there is social media the media attention is there the children they feel they are constantly being judged that makes them very self conscious mm. and uh, they don't want to explore new things or take some risky decisions because if it goes wrong they feel they'll be criticized so right. they don't want to take risks they don't want to lose so they want to win every time and that is not possible so how we view success failure these are all the things i talk a lot with my students so i try to tell them like winning is not a great thing or losing is not a worse thing they are just different experiences and from every right. experience you can learn something positive and become a better player do these kids process that how easy or difficult is it for them to understand that it's okay to lose especially in the current generation where you talked about social media where even you are quite active on it yeah i think uh, nowadays this is a big issue for uh, many young children and uh, why i feel this is a big issue for various reasons one earlier than or 15 years ago when uh, children came to sports it was not because their parents want their children to be successful in sports like sachin tendulkar or another nanan they did not come to sports because their parents expected them to be champions no the children came to chess or cricket or whichever sport because the children loved the game and then they started uh, performing well and uh, made a name for themselves and the parents were supportive in this journey but now what is happening with many young parents so how they see is like i'm a smart guy my wife is a smart woman and 1 plus 1 2 should be doubly smart so that's how they come and uh, once they have this mindset they think okay we both are smart so our children is must be much smarter and uh, we will make them into a pragnananda or a vishwanathana something like this so the parents decide and then they introduce the game to the child take them to ch- tournaments take them to trainers and so on but their heart is really not in the game in fact you did a talk uh, during the world youth chess championship uh, in uh, 2022 where uh, you talked about the role of parenting in chess yes. and i think you said there it, it is better if the parents don't know squat about chess because that would mean there would be that much less pressure yeah. on the kid and do you see that happen more these days ramesh as compared to you know the other day i watched a father telling his kid to stand in line with a proper karate move 
and his coach had to tell him hey please step aside i'll take care of that so our parents a little more poking their noses uh, yeah. even i am a parent i have got a 4 year old so uh, you know is is that what today's parents do i don't want to judge them like poking their heads because uh, it is natural for parents to be concerned and caring towards their children it's very natural uh, phenomena so there is nothing wrong with but when we are not competent the parents should be not teaching chess or uh, explaining strategies but the parents can teach this is just a journey we are supporting because you want to do this not because we want you to succeed so this distinction uh, the parents should be very clear about the children should not take up any sport or go to school and study because the parents want them to succeed in those areas when they have so much expectation from their children and when a child loses a game from the parents viewpoint their ego is hurt they don't want to tell other parents my son or daughter lost they see it as a loss of face and they take it out on the child like you are not serious we are sacrificing so much for you and you are not serious so they think like if a child loses then the child is not serious and this kind of uh, negative judgment coming from the parents it can be really hurting for the children because the parents are basically saying no trust to the children and that's very harmful for the child child when they are going through a difficult moment the parents is the first one they should go to i say mommy daddy this is the problem i am facing but now i have seen many cases where when the children loses they want to avoid the parents at any cost parents are here they want to run the other side <laughs> so because right. they know they'll be judged negatively so uh, when the children are trying to learn something if you are very critical and negative in our judgment in our feedback in our criticism the children will stop learning it's right. a full stop educating the parents is also i believe nowadays mm. very important role for a trainer do you do you find yourself spending more than annoyingly so perhaps where you have to tell the parents to calm down a bit does that happen from time to time not time to time it's like it's happening almost on a daily basis and uh, i used to do this very often but the problem is it feels like you're fighting a losing battle yeah but parenting uh, nowadays they see themselves as at any cost i have to make my child successful so they take this responsibility on their shoulder worse parenting advice i would give, <laughs> give to a parent <laughs> absolutely and it is all the more difficult in a game of chess where as a kid who's say 6 7 8 9 or even an adolescent you've got to sit at one place for 15 minutes and then half an hour then one hour where the natural tendency of a kid is to go run play play tag and the like so and especially today with smartphones and internet and the amount of distractions that we have how do you engage a child who you think has potential but needs to be also kept away from all the distractions so how big a role do you have to play and how difficult is it and do you see that as a growing concern uh how i should put this okay it's extremely easy to handle children they are so open to change themselves they have not formed firm opinions about many aspects in life and that is why they are fantastic learners once you form firm opinions we become very poor learners then we have kind of shut our door to the other viewpoint in politics you will see like okay trump is good trump is bad modi is good modi is bad right once a person an adult forms a view amount of fact can really make an impact one the bias will always take over for children it is not the case so it is extremely easy to talk to children 
what is winning losing so every time i work with my children i start like this you have vanilla strawberry chocolate so this is winning losing drawing so three different flavors so now they can easily understand okay losing means it's like chocolate drawing is vanilla this is strawberry something like this so now they will immediately lose that pressure so they are not trying to play to win so i tell them like you are not competing with others you don't have to defeat your opponent so to emerge as a victorious person yourself you just have to become a better version of yourself day by day and i can become better only when i learn so this learning and unlearning process is what is more important for us at this age we should not be trying to play for win or try to make money or try to become popular so all that should happen at adult age preferably not even then so at this age we are just doing things which we like we love we are passionate about we want to do this so we should do this see everything as a learning experience and there'll be some pleasant moments unpleasant moments we can handle them so if we talk like this to children it will make perfect sense to children but for adults none of this will make sense sense they will always stick to i should win i don't lose <laughs> and also you talked about unlearning adults find it that much more difficult because uh, we we are wired in in a certain way whereas kids aren't and also i think uh, i've read somewhere that uh, kids the reason why kids pick up musical instruments and languages one of the major reasons is that they are not embarrassed to make mistakes which a 15 year old or 19 year old will start getting uh, so that that is one reason where they are okay as long as somebody doesn't put uh, pressure on them then yeah they are not uh, afraid of making mistakes at all and i see that is their biggest strength and they don't mind losing and that is their biggest strength. but adults we put a seed in the children's mind that it is bad yes yeah. and then all the problems start and over time there will be some guys who will do far better than others and then you might spot a potential in them could you talk about the work ethic of some of these guys prag for example how do these top students prepare uh, what stands out what extreme lens do they go to the way i see is i'm just using chess but this is my view in every aspect of every sphere of life learning ex- learning technical things is extremely easy the champions they simply love whatever they are good at so if someone wants to be a champion in chess they simply love chess and it is very easy to learn chess when you are in that state of mind for example if you want to climb the mount everest or whatever and if you just look at the top it will be like overwhelming and if you keep looking at the top and take a next step maybe you will fall down <laughs> so it's very important once you decided what you want to achieve it is a process and you need to learn so many things to reach there so then all your focus becomes like where you keep the next step even if you want to climb the mount everest the next step is the most critical step so and then the next step and then the next step and once in a while you can look back and see how far you have covered so if we feel like i'm good already then we have shut the door i've already achieved something we have shut the door so it's very important like we keep that hunger alive how do you do that among players who have uh, already achieved a lot in their young age and who might there even back answer saying hey you know what i have done more than even my coach so how do you keep them in line or am I, is, is, it, is it not a right question for example it doesn't happen uh, in my case i have never seen that my relationship with my students is on mutual trust and respect i respect my students i 
respect their willingness to be part of this journey and i respect them for the effort they put in learning from me and for being receptive even when they are doing very badly i trust them when we give this kind of trust and respect to young children they will reciprocate they will, so they will trust and respect you more and uh, then it is like we have that personal connection so whatever we say even if they don't like it they will not talk back so when i talk to prag i will tell certain things he will give his views counter views which will be totally against what i am saying i am fine with that he is fine with that and then i will try to persist with my view he tries to persist and we see this as a healthy interaction where we both are learning from each other and even you learn from your students even even now then and as you go along every no, day i wouldn't then. have become a good coach if i had not learned anything from my students <laughs> the thing is like i right. have many students to learn from they have only one coach to learn that's a beautiful way of putting it and where were you if i may ask ramesh when prag beat magnus carlsen for the first time and how did you get the news it was late in the night yeah, wasn't it, it was probably after 3 am in the morning 2:45 or 3 in the morning i was up yeah. till like 1:30 or so and i was feeling very sleepy <laughs> because i have sessions in the morning at 5 it starts like yeah. i told prag i chatted in whatsapp i'm going to bed so do well in the remaining games and then when i woke <laughs> up at 5 i saw he bet magnus but prag was already sleeping <laughs> <laughs> so how did you celebrate with prag did you did you happen to do a big bash because that was a big day uh, even though as modest as you might want to make it look it was a big day wasn't it for india as well yeah i understand it is big but our ambition is bigger so i remember when i quit indian oil one of my boss said like you are making a big mistake of your life you know how big indian oil is so i told him i understand indian oil is big but india is bigger <laughs> and the world is even bigger <laughs> so it's what we want yeah. like uh, in prax case he wants to become the world champion we know that that is not possible without defeating the world champions who the world champion we have to defeat them and then become world champion ourselves so our philosophy is no matter how big the success is or how deep the failure is how hard the failure is we have to remain balanced so this is our philosophy so typically no celebrations <laughs> we are just happy this is <laughs> this is this reminds me of that rudyard kipling poem where if you can deal with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same that is not celebrate too much when you have exciting victories but don't don't get get into morose depression when things are not going too well the thing is like it's it's on an even keel if we celebrate too much when things are going good then the fall will be much steeper when we lose we may not have the mental toughness to handle it and that's why many players i whom i respect a lot i see them as poor losers and i feel that is one of the reasons they are not reaching the very top it's not that just talent wise how important is it to be a decent human being in everything like not gloat over victories or not be a sore loser be a gracious winner i read somewhere one of your interviews where you pointed out how carlson clapped and uh, gave a thumbs up to prag despite prag losing almost at the end but he said hey that was a good game so is it that important where you've got to be a good human being as well to be able to be a good player no that is every individual's choice i would say because i've seen many good players but off the board they are not very pleasant <laughs> human beings to be around with but i have seen many mm-hmm. some players uh, at least uh, they feel like as a human being i can stink but as long as i am a good chess player it is fine i am not very comfortable with that for me winning is mm-hmm. not everything so i try to see chess 
not just as a sport but as a tool to learn to be a good human being overall and also successful and that is a byproduct so through chess you can learn what the importance of concentration importance of being committed to something some for a higher cause and then you channelize all your effort time energy in, in that direction you sacrifice many comforts in life and you are willing to go through difficult moments and learn even from those difficult moments and become a tougher and a better human being so and i see chess as a tool in that process and chess is getting difficult by the day then with the advent of computers and artificial intelligence and all of it has the role of coaching also changed uh, quite a bit because everybody now seems to you know rely on various technologies perhaps to get better is is your role becoming that much tougher yeah it is more challenging now than before not because of the advent of technology or not mm-hmm. of the game is itself is evolving but more from the perspective of the parental expectations okay. and influence it has on the children the biggest challenge is this the children nowadays especially when they are being judged constantly by parents and the society around them the children are less creative less prone to taking risk less open to learning things and uh, they simply pick up from parents like okay first let me become a bigger strong player and then let me start learning chess so <laughs> it is like i have to get the first rank and then i will start studying Sorry. something like this so they don't understand like right. uh, it has to be the other way that should be by product and your focus should be on uh, how you study or how you learn in that aspect things have become more challenging the mm. arrival of technology it has had uh, both positive and negative influence on the game on the learning process but a good trainer should be able to handle it well i rely on technology to produce good quality material from that sense uh, as a trainer i have lot of respect and appreciation for technology but also it has taken out the human element in many ways that downside is like very young children they are using technology they are exposed to technology and uh, they stop thinking on their own so they don't trust themselves anymore they are trusting the technology more because the technology is superior to us but the thing is like for an upcoming player they are not going to play against compete against world champions they are going to play compete against other upcoming players who are humans who are going to make human mistakes many children are not interested in this they want to simply get good results they come to me saying okay ramesh is pragnanda student so if i go to ramesh i'll play like pragnanda so this kind of impression so they don't see any role for themselves they are just there as a spectator like like we go to a hair salon so we just go and sit there and the other guy is doing all the cutting right and we are just spectator right at the end we expect a fantastic hairstyle so so they are coming as passive spectators to the classes wow and i think we've almost run out of time ramesh but i would just request you to squeeze in another 5 7 minutes if you don't mind and also focus on one thing that hasn't changed over the years one was technology that has something else is superstitions now when you were growing up and when you were a, became a grandmaster represented india did you have any superstitions when you would play the game of chess uh, i think it was aruna anand who talked in an interview that vishy anand didn't change his shirt for days together if he was doing well some people didn't shave <laughs> did you have any i've seen many players do all kinds of things like what pen they use if they 
bring her with a pen, pen and they lose, they change the pen. Yeah. Or if they wear shoes, some shoes are considered lucky or shirts. For me, like in what I noticed is like in some months I was not playing well. In some months I play well. For example, okay. nearing my birthday, like April, May, June, July, August, I usually play well. But December, I right. don't play well. Something like this. <laughs> so, and there is indeed some sort of a birthday curse, isn't it? People historically apparently haven't done well on their birthdays. But when Magnus Carlsen, I think in 2016, he did really, I mean, he beat somebody hands down. And then he said that the curse doesn't, I mean, he, he said <laughs> it doesn't apply to me. And also the body language, I think in cricket, you have gamesmanship and sledging. Do you have any of those mind games happening between uh, chess players? Because often I don't see them even make eye contact. There is a picture of uh, one of your uh, students uh, shaking hands with an Uzbekistan player, I think Gukesh doing that, and where they are looking at the chessboard while they are shaking hands. So how, how yeah. <laughs> you know, is it that people don't really like to make eye contact at all or how does it work? If you want to remain calm, if you are very tense and you want to calm yourself down and you are trying to gather your concentration, then you want to avoid eye contact with others because you can start reacting. Sometimes you are feeling very confident and you want to intimidate your opponent. Then you are looking for eye contact. Do you, do you teach any of those? Do you? <laughs> no, I try to tell them to, if you are white, your opponent is black. If you are playing black, your opponent is white. So it doesn't matter the individual who is right. uh, sitting in front, especially when they are in the upcoming stages. They should not bother too much about the rating of the opponent, how good or bad they are. Rather, just try to play a good game. But once you are experienced, you are very strong yourself, then you can pay more attention to the opponent's perceived weaknesses and try to right. those weaknesses to your advantage. Also, uh, moving on, you're not only a coach, you've written a book and you also have commentated. So how, how much did you enjoy, uh, let's say, your stint as a commentator? And how much of an art is it to talk about a game to folks who may not completely understand, but maybe have uh, a little bit of knowledge about the game? It's not difficult if you have the right approach. For example, uh, whatever I do, even the interview I'm giving now, I see this as a learning experience. I'm, I'm learning how to give interview. So that's how I see. So when I'm taking a learning approach, I'm being a student myself, then it gives me freedom to be forthright in my expressing my thoughts and uh, I don't mind if I make mistakes because I'm a student so I can just be myself so from that perspective I agreed to comment because it was a good platform for me where I can share my views and I had no experience so I thought like this is a good learning experience for me and then once I started feeling comfortable with uh, the commenting things then I started sharing whatever I felt like sharing. And I think you've got a point of view and you've made yourself very clear on interviews and online forums as well. And one, one part I'd like to pick your brain about is every sport has its downfall. In cricket, it was match fixing back in the early 2000s. In chess, you've got a very strong point of view on, on cheating as well, where recently there have been news stories about how there was a 19-year-old who uh, Magnus Carlsen said, I would not play against him, etc. And uh, according to a 2020 report, uh, some eight grandmasters, about 2,600 rating, have been caught out, uh, even in in-person games where, you know, you, you, you can have somebody with a Bluetooth and somebody sitting somewhere in the world is, you know, using a software to do certain things and relaying that message back. How big a problem is that? The cheating has been there for some time, but very, very minuscule scale, I would say. It's not a big pandemic uh, proportion. 
it's a very like few bad apples here and there so that sense it's not a big deal but what has happened in recent years the technology has advanced so much and uh, so we can have a very tiny bluetooth device which is hard to see with a human eye so there could be other technologies maybe a watch maybe a sensor in your shoe yeah so a lot of things are possible and in online games cheating has been happening uh, especially young children also i've uh, been a coach for a state championship when it happened online and uh, i got 77 games or so suspected games and out of which maybe 70 games the children have cheated and how does that happen so they have a software yeah, there are some websites where you can download install an app or a browser and then uh, the app makes the move so you are just ah. uh, sitting there the app, app is making the move on your behalf and you just press the key to do, you know make it happen that's yeah, all like this right. some children are using this and i have tweeted about this extensively the children because they are being judged hmm. trainers by the parents and uh, they don't want to be seen as a failure so they want to be seen as a successful and be accepted by the elders they respect so they are taking these negative things it is very important as adults we guide them in the right direction and we put so much pressure on them that we push them in the, this direction in elite uh, sports um, you know in athletics at least uh, what they have is the uh, athlete biological passport wherein what they do is over time they would uh, collect all data points to create a baseline of how far let's say abhishek kumar can go or an usain bolt can go and then if there are any spikes in the performance compared to the baseline uh, using blood samples obviously they will then know that hey we we need to examine what happened here i don't know if anything equivalent is possible in a game where suddenly if somebody plays a move which is far more software like uh, as compared to a human like can there be tools that can intervene with ha he's playing more like a machine than like a human there are many analytical bots that are this like in many online platforms these are there happening 24 hours right. a day so these bots are analyzing every game and uh, if the moves are matching uh, with the computers they point to such games they give a warning made right. the players declared lost so there is uh, the technology is also evolving but it is not a big problem but young children getting access to this technology is an issue got it and, and the last one uh, ramesh is that you've uh, ended up writing a book improve your chess calculations so what what is that about and Uh, how does it help uh, kids to you know get better so i have written two books my first book is logical decision yeah. making in chess that is like anyone who knows the basics can read and learn but this book second book improve your chess calculation it's more at very ambitious players i would say the level of the player is not very important ambitious in the sense someone who is willing to put the effort to learn so it's not a casual reading book so someone who wants to really learn something difficult are willing to put the effort then it's very useful for them but the thing is like i am always uh, teaching most of my time not getting time to sit and write down my thoughts into a book so i want to write a series of books and uh, hopefully the next book probably in 2023 or 2024 excellent and 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 i also see a friendly banter between you and prague on twitter where you are goading him to buy that book of yours and he's waiting for a promotional offer for to, to for pick, free <laughs> for, for, for free and and the last one i promise you ramesh is do you miss competing at all meaning formally entering into competitions do you sometimes have that itch 
to i want to get into the game myself and try and blow some of the opponents away or okay. or just for the adrenaline rush of it earlier i used to feel that way very yeah. strongly but now it's like a different life <laughs> yeah. i don't see i don't even remember how it was to be a player so i don't miss it so much maybe like last 20 years i'm just a coach so i'm fine with it Excellent thank you so much coach Ramesh for your time on this podcast and uh, it's been a pleasure absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you so much